0: Welcome to the Beyond the Bucket Show, a podcast centered around optimizing all life's buckets. We all have buckets we are balancing, coaching, entrepreneurial ventures, family, passion projects, and health. Let's all take this journey together and become bucket fillers. And here's your host, Chris McSwain.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another great episode. I got my man Nate Ramazani, internal international man of mystery, <laughs> finally coming back to the podcast. It has been a long time. You were one of the first members on the podcast, and that was via Zoom. Yep. And now we got a whole little studio jumping off in here. Oh, so, yeah. welcome back, my brother. Thanks,
0: man. I appreciate you. Scoot the microphone just okay. up
1: a little bit. Uh, there you go. Uh welcome back. What's uh what's been going on like the last four years? <laughs>
0: yeah. Man, it's um it's been a wild transition to go from, you know, where we were in, in 2020 to um, you know, where we are now. And everybody's kind of, you know, adapted and been flexible. And, you know, in, in education, we've always used that term learning agility. So being able to adapt, but but having the ability to be able to do those things and um, uh, man, last four years has been great for me. You know, there's been ups and downs, but always focus on, you know, the positive and what's on the up and up and what we can do to get a little bit better.
1: So tell me, so, so, well, tell me, I know, but all the people out there, you have like 10 different jobs. First of all, you're a principal at a school. You are a college and high school basketball referee official. Uh, you do real estate, um, and, you know, you dabble in the stock market. You do just do a bunch of different stuff. So I'll just give a breakdown of everything that you got going on.
0: Yeah, you know, I like to keep myself busy. Uh, you know, I think growing up, uh, my parents taught me the value of a dollar. You know, um, they worked very hard, and um, and they I always had enough. They never gave me extra because you know I didn't need it. Yeah. You know, um, and so I, I feel like I was blessed to have that kind of upbringing where. Um, I had what I needed, but as I kind of grew up and, and, uh, you know, kind of set out my own path, I wanted to have more, you know, I wanted to be able to at least have the freedom of being able to, to have more. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I've always kept myself busy trying to, to build, um, you know, learn, learn along the way, build what I can. But yeah, I, I my full-time job is I'm a principal and I love working with kids, love working with staff, love working with families. You know, it's a blessing. You know, it's a, that that's Spider-Man saying with great power comes great responsibility. Yep. And you work in education. So, you know, like it, we do have a, a major responsibility to the kids, to the staff, to the families that we work with. Um, it's a great opportunity in order to be able to change lives, um, you know, set them up for success, build confidence, build life skills, perseverance, resilience, all those things. And so um, I love the opportunity that I have to work in education. Real estate was kind of like a you know a second endeavor that I had picked up um, you know seven or eight years ago, you know you just kind of see uh, where the money's at and where it's going, yep. and especially in the Bay Area, um, man, it's very lucrative to be in real estate and to get involved in that. And so, um, you know, I worked hard my my first few years out of college, and I graduated with two hundred bucks to my name, but worked really hard, I was able to buy a house at twenty six, and that kind of set me off on the path right there. Um, and then it was just building, learning and, uh, saving up enough to get an investment property and then do that again and do that again. And, you know, buy, sell, fix, flip, um, and just try and make, um, uh, you know, a, a set, set myself up for future success and, uh, reffing, you know, we've always loved sports, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I tore my ACL a couple of times and so I knew it at some point, my, my career was going to be coming to an end, but, uh, being involved, I love to coach, you know, and, and. God bless all you guys that that still coach and are <laughs> in the game, giving back to it. Um, you know, I, I love coaching. There, there's something special to it. It's, it's like teaching. It's like it's being in education, right? Yep. Um, but uh, between – I was a teacher at the time when I first started officiating. Between teaching and then coaching, yep. it, it's such an emotional toll. You know, you give yourself to the kids. You give yourself to the game. Um, and so I it, it was beating me up mentally and emotionally to – teach and coach and do all those things. And so I, you know, I said, I need to stay in the game somehow, stay in the, in the sports world, but how can I do that without that emotional toll that I, that I had? And so officiating is what did that for me because mm. I still give myself to the game, but once it's over, I can go home, watch a film and I can put it behind me. Sure. I like when I was coaching, it was, you know, what can I do to help this kid be better? What can I do to help our team? And so it was like all these things that just never stopped. It was 24 right. seven thinking about the team and what I need to do better to give to them. Now as an official it's like I, I can give to the game I can give back to coaches to the players to my fellow officials yep but at the end of the day I can go home and and okay now I just need to get better I don't need to worry about anybody else getting better I need to get better myself yeah and so that makes it a little bit easier for me
1: yeah I mean you touched on a bunch of different things and we'll probably go down a bunch of different avenues uh, as we as we chat through this. But the biggest thing, like you mentioned, the, the time consumption of being a head head coach or even an assistant coach, there's still a lot because your head coach relies on yep. you a lot. Yep. I mean, my text thread with my assistant coaches is long and it's continuous. And I tell people this all the time. You know, we have a basketball team and that means if you have 12 players, you have – you know, 12, 12 people that rely on you. And then you might have a JV program as well. And that team has 12 players that rely on you. And then if each one of those players has two parents in their life, they may even have guardians or other people in their life. Now, those people require energy and attention from you. And then you have your administration who who requires attention from you. And then you have you know, basketball officials. While you're in the game, they require attention of you, or you require their attention. Uh, and there's just so much going on. And like even on a Friday night, and we can we can compete in our league. And it's uh, you know, it's there's nothing like being in that sideline. But you know, we, we had a tough loss on Friday night at our place, and uh, it was just kind of back and forth until it wasn't towards the end, and and they came out on top. But I stayed in the team room to decompress for about an hour. I watched some film for the next upcoming game, and then I did the scout for the upcoming game. But I had to, I needed to decompress, and still, even when I got home, it was still on my mind. So that 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 thing that you're talking about that's always constantly moving yep. that rabbit that we're continuing to be on this treadmill over and over and over and over. And I just had some guys that you know uh that are that you're close with as well um and they're all basketball coaches and so we're talking about our teams and we're talking about all the things that are going on within the program and it's just so much and it's so time consuming so when you said that that directly resonated with me on man we do provide so much yep. um for so many people and that can be a lot and then so so there's moments like this where this is relief from all of that and yes. we can just have real good high level conversations together. And for me, that's what this is all about is, uh, yeah, just elevation of the concepts that you already know. But when you can talk to somebody that is on the same level, they can stretch your thinking to think about it in a different way. So, um, yeah, and that's and that's one thing I've always appreciated you is is you have also tried to elevate yourself not just in what you do but yours other things because yes you're a principal but you also have a business acumen and then you also have the sports background that you want to continue to stay in so what made you want to be so well rounded outside of your parents pushing you and and getting you you know set up but never like giving it to you, you always had to work for it.
0: Yeah, you know, um, man, it kind of makes me think of the word renaissance man, which is kind of a, an older term, but it really means like you're good at you're well rounded. Yeah. Right? You know, so many different things and, and you are you can hold your own in any classroom, in any business room, on a court, in a field, you know, um, out and about in nature. So just being able to understand a, at least a little bit in all those avenues, because, you know, the worst thing to do is to walk in the room and not know anything about what you're doing right you know um and obviously it it's good to want to learn but to be able to learn and then be able to offer something right always give value you yeah. know that that's the other piece is i think how can i add value to my friends lives to the people that i work with um you know you you do that and uh, you, the time thing is like we don't work a 9 to 5 we work a 24/7 <coughs> right like if you really invest yourself into the work that you're doing and your passions it's a 24/7 thing you know yeah um but yeah, really, just wanting to be able to add value to people, and uh, and so I want to learn as much as I can out there. Yeah, you know, it's a big, wide world, and uh, gosh, there's just so many things to be able to do and involve yourself
1: in. One of the terms that I always uh, that I always talk about is ask. Always seek knowledge, and so if we're always doing that, we're always going to be. More knowledgeable, and not that we know everything, but if you know a little bit about a lot of different things, you can be well rounded, like you mentioned, like a Renaissance man or something like that. And then, as you know, Kobe was very curious, uh, as we as we look above, um, in the studio, but Kobe made me think about that acronym differently ask A -S 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 S see always seek curiosity and those two things have i think have really benefited us in both of our lives as we've always been curious to know about other people and how they how they think about certain things and we've always been observers and we observe what is going on we observe the the presence that somebody has, I think that's one of the best things that anybody can have in any situation is having a presence. And when you have a presence, it's because you're confident. And if you're confident, that means you've actually put the work in. So like if you go and do a talk or I've done a talk and I'm going to get to a talk that you recently did for some officials at Los, uh, for parents at Los Gatos High School. And I heard this third party, you didn't even tell me this. I heard this from two separate people about what you said, but you know if i give a if i give a talk i have already done that talk in my head over and over and over i've probably put at least 15 hours of work into a 15 minute talk if not more so when i step up on a stage it's second nature and Then you get a lot of reps doing what we've what we've done as a teacher, as a coach. You have to be on your feet in front of people Mm -hmm. all the time. So public speaking is actually very, very easy for people like us because we have gotten so many reps or being a team captain back in high school or college or being a leader. And that just becomes easy. So, what people may think is difficult for people like us to, to to speak and and be a presence, is very easy for us because we've got hours and hours and hours. We put our ten thousand yes. hours as far right. as being a leader and being in front of people. But um, what I want to talk about is you gave a speech to parents at Los Gatos High School, and I'm not sure um, what the, what the background was in regards to why they asked you to come speak to parents, but you said something very profound and I'm gonna give you the cliff notes version and you can give me the real version, but you told the parents and I'm paraphrasing third party, obviously now, but you told the parents, there has never been a time where your, your son or daughter has thanked you for, for yelling at the officials and, um, and, and Mark Gray told me that, and Ali Cooper told me that, or and Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Giles. They all told me about what you said, and uh, I think that is so, so very important. So tell me about that comment. Where did it, you know, why why did that strike a nerve with you in order to make sure that these parents had some sort of knowledge about that?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, so the background of the the talk was just the fact that uh, most of the the high schools now are doing sportsmanship talks with their communities, their families, um, going into the winter season or fall season. And so they asked, uh, could we have somebody from the officiating association to come and, you know, just talk about officiating as as a business as you know, who you are as a career, you know, we're we're low on officials. And what can you tell them about, you know, who you are and what you guys are doing, how much you're trained, Mm. so that maybe they can have a little bit more appreciation, or more respect for the officials. And I said you know i'd love to do that you know because at the end of the day it really is about education right we want our our kids to be to to learn and, and grow we want our parents to learn and grow we're all we're all on that team of of sportsmanship and uh, and responsibility and all that and so i said yeah I'd, lo- I'd love to come and talk and and so you know as we kind of got going on the conversation that was an important piece for, for them to understand is you know we're all you're there cheering for your child and you have that you know mama bear papa bear feeling and, and you want them to be protected um, but beyond that, sports were were you know really designed to bring people together, to bring the best out of people. You know, when we think back to the the Greeks and Romans, it was like we're going to bring our best to this you know facility or this this arena, and we're going to have our best versus your best, and we're going to all cheer them on, mm. right? Um, it was really just about competition. And so uh, that's what I really want us to bring back is just cheering our athletes on. You're a fan, be a fan. And so, you know, you and I played sports since we were small all the way through college, you know? Yep. And, uh, and so, yeah, I just, you know, I kind of thought about it and, and my parent, my dad was a coach. My mom you know, was actively involved in all my games, but there was no time where I went home after a game and said, gosh, I'm really happy that you yelled at that official. I'm really happy that you were just, you know, yelling at every call. That's never happened in the history of my time as a a player, coach, athlete, official. And I can't imagine anybody has ever gone home and said that. You know, at the end of the day, the officials there to do a job. They're trained, uh, but they're human. They're going to make mistakes, you know, and it's not because they don't care about the game or don't want to do a good job. But, you know, I said part of the speech, I said, you know, when your child goes and misses a shot, do you yell at them? No. When they go and make a bad pass, do you yell at them? No, because people make mistakes. We're all human. That's a fact. To err, to err is human. But That's a fact. That the same thing with officials. None of us are robots. None of us are going to see it the same way. And you look at these officials in the NBA who are you know, the best in the world, right? And how often are they having to know, return a call or go over a call or, oh, yep, challenge was successful. So here we are with amateur sports. You know, We need to be able to treat our officials with respect. This, these are amateur sports. Cheer your, cheer your son or daughter on. Wish them well. Cheer the officials on because at the end of the day, it's all about learning the growth and all that kind of thing. Nobody learns by yelling at the official. 100%. You know? And what a parent tells a kid in the game
1: does not actually help them. Shoot, pass, rebound. I hear that all the time. Box out. They know what they need to do. And even as coaches, like we need to sit down and shut up sometimes too. Like we need to chill. And I'm I'm the one included. This is coming from somebody that's stomping on the sidelines just three days ago. <laughs> but nothing that a, that somebody from the stand says is actually going to help them if you really, really think about it. And I had to learn this from the my my five year old son's basketball game. And all the parents are talking and then the first one of the games that I I helped out like coach and, and he couldn't. And when they were on this side, I was able to say, Hey, get to your spots and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden they were on the other side and I'm way down here and they can't hear and I'm yelling and my wife is yelling. And then every other parent is yelling. And I said, what was going on in your head? He's like, I didn't understand what I was supposed to do. And the coach was yelling too. So I just like, after that, I just, I was like, I'm not saying anything anymore. And I love the parents. And there's a lot of parents that just go sit in the stands, say, say nothing. They'll cheer all the other kids on. And that's where I'm at now. Like, even if my son is scoring, um, we played football today and he scored uh, a touchdown. He got one touchdown called back because his flag fell off by himself, but it was going to score. And I just, I didn't even clap for him. I just, I told him at the end. I love watching you play today. And that was it. And that's, that's hopefully where I'll continue to be because there's just too much stress in regards to athletics for these kids at such a young age. It doesn't have to be that serious. And we as adults have made it too serious for them. And sometimes they have lost
0: that love for the game. That's exactly it. And you know, uh, another big piece of that is as, as a parent, you can't Live the game through your child. You had your time. You had your opportunities to play, right? Let your child have their opportunity. Let them grow and do the thing. Like you are not them, right? As, as the parent, as the adult. Free yourself of that, you know, of that responsibility or that feeling. Like right. just cheer them on. Have them be the best that they can be. They are not you. They are not living through you. You know, they are your legacy, but what you want, what do you want your legacy to be? Probably hopefully one of positivity, you know, sharing the growth sharing the love of learning the resilience the perseverance side of things yeah
1: and as a parent the only thing that you really want or I can only speak for myself but I want them to be a good person <laughs> treat people the right way and enjoy their life and if they are able to do that then I think it's a pretty successful life as simple as it as simple as it
0: mm-hmm. is said that's right
1: and just have peace you know so many people don't have peace because of external things whether that be the social media that we are all addicted to whether we want to you know admit it or not some people are more addicted than yeah. others yeah. but we are it's constantly in our hands if you just go to the if you just go to the grocery store and you walk through you're going to see multiple people if not the majority on their phone walking through walking through somewhere where they're trying to get items to be to live yep. so When you look at it like that, uh, just keep things very, very simple and just understand if they – and our job as a coach should be this, in my opinion, uh, and that would be did your kid have fun and did they learn about the game and did they learn about themselves and become better people? And if we have those three things, then our program was successful, whether we ran – whether we won basketball games or not. Your kid had fun. They weren't mistreated or anything like that. They learned something about themselves and they got
0: better at basketball, which is what they were trying to do and develop. So life skills right there. Exactly. All all those pieces are life skills, you know, finding joy in in the sport, finding joy in your friends and what you guys can do together. You know, how how much better life is together. Like team sports are are such a blessing in that, right? Because you have to be able to work together to accomplish something. Right. That's why basketball is great. That's why we always love football. You know, you have five or 11 guys like, everybody's got a responsibility for that play for that, you know, for that time frame, And so being able to do your job, all those, you know, it's just life skills, man, but finding joy in it is it's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about relationships real quick. Uh, you, you're you a person that really invests in relationships. We spent time together. We've been on vacations together. We'll go, we went out to the NBA summer league uh, this past, this past year and got to sit courtside with, uh, with Wimby Yamba. And that was, uh, that was really cool. We got to see one of our former top flight players playing, um, on the San Antonio Spurs. So how have relationships really helped you in all of your careers and, um, just,
0: you know, as the person you are relationships are everything. You know, it, it really and truly is like, uh, you know, we, we there's a lot of podcasts around leadership and guidance and mentorship, but it really at the core of that is relationships is knowing your people, uh, investing in the people that you're working with and that, and that, and that you want to learn about, you know, you talked about curiosity too. like, I one of the favorite things that I, I read the other day was that, you know, children are born curious, right? They're our first scientists, like right? they're exploring everything Everything's brand new to them, right? And Along the way, we, we lose a lot of that curiosity, a lot of that joy for learning or, or just the interest in it. And I never want to lose that, you know, and uh, in relationships, I love learning about people. I love learning about their stories, what makes them tick, how they got to where they are, how I can help them, how I can add value to their, you know, their job or their life or whatever it might be. Uh, but it really starts by, by learning about them and, uh, and trying to invest that time in uh, a relationship side of it. But, uh, man, that's really what life is about. Life is so much better with relationships. Uh, and so I feel very blessed to have a circle of people that I do.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, so another thing that you were just saying that just happened. So, you know, we got two kids about to be six and four. Um, and we had, you know, people over in the backyard. But CJ is trying to get the karaoke machine together. And he unplugs the router and Internet and all that. And so the TV out in the backyard and this is the NFL playoffs the first weekend. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like a fourth down. That's why when you <laughs> when you asked me, I was like, was it that one? And all of a sudden it pops off and I'm like, what's going on? And so <clears throat> uh, one of the things that adults do is also, I think stunt some of that curiosity because I got really mad at him and he wasn't even trying to do anything mischievous. He just wanted to plug his own thing in, but he unplugged the whole bar and it was now affecting something that we did. So as parents, we also say, no, don't do that. Don't pick that up. Don't do this. Don't do this. We can probably phrase it differently and still have that curiosity because we say no all the time. We had, you know, three different groups of kids and parents here. And how many times was no said during that? Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And so you get reprimanded so many times. Sometimes you're just like, All right, I'm just not gonna do anything. And sure. then and then when they become teenagers, we're like, get out and do this, get out and do this, get out and do this. And we're like, we can take them to the park. Don't do this, don't do this. Yeah. What it, it well, what is the park for? It's yeah. for them to. What explore. can I do exactly? <laughs> so that's just another funny thing when it comes to that. But you know, n- not filling that limit. I don't know for you, but my my mom was one that never really limited me to anything that I wanted to do. Yeah. She thought I can do it, yeah. and that's why I have so much confidence in myself. In and, and that's one of the reasons why I carry carry myself the way I do. You do that very similarly, who was the person or what was the thing that made you have confidence in your own abilities to achieve whatever
0: it is that you wanted to do? Yeah. I, I think it's just what you talked about the support system. You know, I, I always felt like my mom and my dad were my biggest fans, you know, probably more my mom. My dad was more like the teacher, the coach, you know, this is what you need to do, the accountability responsibility side. But my mom was always just pure love. Uh, she really pushed me into, uh, you know, growing into my own and, and build that confidence piece. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, really just that support system, like telling you, yes, you're capable of doing this. Yeah. Let's go out and go, let's be challenged. You know, maybe you can't do it, but it's, you just can't do it yet. Right. The power of yet you can still do this, but it's going to, it's going to take a little extra time to do it. What would you give, what advice would you give like a young, young person listening to this
1: podcast that has aspirations to do multiple things, how have you been able to manage your time to be able to do all those things? And you're getting your doctorate right now. And, you you know, we're going to call you Dr. Amazani here. <laughs> and uh, when do you graduate?
0: Another year and a half, baby, 18 months. So like that,
1: I mean, that says a lot about the person that you are. What would you
0: give? What advice would you give a young person right now about that? Man, that, and that's a, a really good question. Like, where does the drive or like the the motivation comes from? And you know, I, I've done talks before about what's better, like motivation or discipline. And like, the truth is, discipline is the most important thing you can really have. We all want to be motivated. We all want to be excited about what we're doing. But when the excitement fades, when that you know external motivation fades, do you have the intrinsic? discipline to say, this is what I got to do. And because I got to do it, I want to do it. And I'm going to do the best job I can on it. If it's, if it's my name's on it, it's going to be the best representation of myself. So I don't know. Uh, I've always wanted to do a lot of things. I've always wanted to learn as much as I can. So the advice I would give to somebody that kind of has that endeavor would really just be, uh, ha- have your discipline, have your routines down, have your schedule down. Um, what can you do to set yourself up for success for those one, two, three, or four endeavors, whatever they are, you need to set out a schedule for it. Uh, you need to have time for each one of those things. You need to have time for yourself. So, you know, we talked sometimes, you know, I don't want to get off topic, but the work life balance, but it's really not even about work life balance It's about work life harmony. Cause you're not going to have, they're not going to be balanced, right? They're not, it's not going to be an even scale. One's going to be taking 80, 20, 60, 40. Right. But if you can find the harmony where I'm still happy, still healthy you know mentally and emotionally while doing those things then it's all good but uh, yeah having the discipline amongst all those things that you're interested in doing but being able to understand you need to give 100% of yourself to those things right you can't say hey I want to be an official I want to be a coach I want to be a you know entrepreneur I want to be in the stock market you can't do all those things 20% yep cuz then you're going to get an F at every one of those things right you need to be 80 90 100% every one of those things if you want to be good at all of them 100 percent. You have to be invested enough to know how you can give yourself to that.
1: That's a 100 percent fact, because when when I'm in the basketball season, most of my direction and energy is to that. Obviously, my family is the most important part of my life. But I miss my daughter's gymnastics on Saturday because we had practice. That obviously wasn't the most important part of my day if I went into practice instead of go to her gymnastics that's just a fact yep and so you can sugarcoat it however you want to there is no balance no. i'm a, like i'm 100% in agreement with you there is no balance it's always going to ebb and flow mm-hmm. based on whatever the situation is yep. now in mid march when the season is over now it's 100% shifted back to where i'm at yeah but for these 4 months basketball takes precedence over a lot of of what goes on in my life mm-hmm. now it's not the most important because if there was an issue that needed my attention sure i can now divert my attention to what is necessary That's right. but i'm not gonna like sugarcoat this right now because as a basketball coach i'm spending way more time and energy towards this team Yep. Right now, because I have to be all in. Because right. if I'm not, we we have no chance. Yeah. And and to your point, we you can't be good in the stock market if you don't check the stocks every single day. If you're not researching these companies that yep. you're trying to invest that's
0: right. in, that's right. Man, yeah. So. Now and and you said uh, you know I'm not going to sugarcoat it, man. I I, I love that like when people talk about that, because I say, yeah, I don't need anything. If I wanted some sugar coat, I'll go get a donut. Just give it to me real, give it to me raw, and let me learn or adapt or just to see if that fits my lifestyle, my needs, my wants, my desires, you know? But let, let's keep it real. You know, if, if you want to be good at something, you're going to have to invest invest yourself. You got to find that harmony about what, you know, is important to you. And the people that are within your system, your circle, your, your family, they've got to understand that those things are important to you. And that's part of what makes you tick and what makes you happy. And they need to be able to to fly with that too.
1: Yeah. And on top of that, then when you get where you need to get to, so like when you get home, I need to be locked in, fully locked in. I can't be on my phone. I can't focus on any of the other stuff because I focus so much attention in another direction, which the most important part has not been nourished. Yep. And you have to nourish every aspect of your life. And when you, if you got 20 minutes at home, you need to make sure that you're putting forth that effort. And that that's that's something that's really helped help me. And I integrate my family with everything that I have. Yes. So if we have AAU tryouts. They come up yeah. they're pulling up my kid is on my kids are on the bench yep. at the games they love running around in there they think they they think I own the place they're like <laughs> why can't I shoot at halftime this is daddy's gym <laughs> well, no this is not daddy's gym daddy is the coach here that's yeah. about it yep. um so yeah and, I, and my wife and I talked about that balance and all that stuff because I'm in agreement with you there's nothing that's ever going to be 50 50 even our marriage is not 50 yeah. 50. right now it's 80 it's 80 it's, it might be like 95. Yeah five because yeah. she's in there with the kids and I'm out here That's doing right. this That's right. and my phone's on airplane mode right now. I'm completely locked into this yeah. and that is the only thing that matters. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody talks about be where your feet are and be present and all that stuff, but we actually have to really live that. Mm-hmm. There's another thing that I've seen is um, how many times when you go to lunch or something or go to a meeting and somebody puts their phone like right on the table unconsciously that is telling that person you are not a hundred percent invested in this conversation and it makes a whole lot of sense because you have something that's out that's visible for me to see understanding that if this buzzes you are potentially are more than likely going to look up at it and divert your attention from whatever it is that we had going on to whatever it is that is buzzing that phone Right. And I think it's I think it's so very uh, important to understand that very thing is like, why are we why are we so focused on something that's so external that really means nothing? Because the only per, the only thing that really means something is the time that we have yes. right in front of each other.
0: Right now. And being present for each other, being present in relationships, being present at work. You know, there there is no substitute for those things um, yeah, people get sidetracked and and all that kind of business, but it really is. It's, it's being present for your people, for the things that you're doing, um, and not those external um, drives. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I I do, you know, from the outside looking in, I I love seeing how you integrate your family and all the things you do. I think you do a fantastic job at that, man. Um, it's really cool to be able to see that. Um, and it just, you know, it speaks to your character, um, uh, you know, as as a family man and uh, and as a, a value person of, of relationships. So well, thank you. I love that.
1: I do have a question for you though. Tell me, so you talked about sugar coating and then you talk about eating a donut. Well, your diet is like the wor- well, the meat part is cool because <laughs> you eat steak almost every single day. Yeah. But how do you eat junk food? And I'm not talking about just any junk food. You have a a carton of ice cream mixed with brownies and cookies all mixed up yeah for <clears throat> just just cuz yeah. how how can you do that and and still you know be be apart to on top of your fitness or is your metabolism just like that?
0: Yeah. You know, I think, I think I do. I think I have, uh, an excellent metabolism. You know, I think I hit the genetic lottery in some respects, but I I do put in the work. I mean, every single day I'm up early, you know, working out, take my dog to the park. I'm doing push ups, pull-ups, hitting the baseball for him. So I I do get plenty of exercise. You know, I'm, I'm constantly moving. I definitely do not eat according to Um, The suggested diet plan, the food pyramid, I I always tell people, I say it's a suggestion. Um, It's not a a have to because I do not follow the food pyramid at all. It's not because, you know, I'm on a special diet. I I eat what I like. And so, yeah, I do eat a lot of sweets because, man, they taste good. Um, But, you know, I I do have a lot of protein, uh, a lot of carbohydrates in there. That's pretty much the, the base of it. It's uh, carbohydrates, protein, and, and then sweets, but and the, no vegetables. I don't eat any vegetables. I don't eat any fruit.
1: Do you supplement with anything like vitamins or anything?
0: No, nah, you know, I, uh, I thought about doing that <clears throat> when I got out of high school and realized that I only, I'm the only one who ate like that, or it's very rare. Uh, I thought about doing it. So I went to the doctor and said, no, I need to have these blood tests. I need to tell me where I'm deficient. Uh, but every time I've had my, and I get my blood checked just about every six months or so, but every time I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm clean. And, uh, So I'm fortunate. Whatever I'm eating, it's getting me the things that I need. Uh, And so I don't anticipate changing, you know. I'm 40 years in, and uh, it's probably not going to (laughs) change.
1: Very interesting. So, again, it's not one size fits all, so everybody's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. So you can't – first of all, you can't do what LeBron does. You can't do what Steph does. You can't do – like, everybody's going to be different. So some people can – some people can sleep for three hours and be good. Some people need eight hours right. of sleep to be good. Yep. So like um same thing. I, I work out every single day. Uh, I rarely take an off day. And the reason is is because I just need to move my body. Yeah. What? But you know, at 40 years old, I feel great. I'm able to do everything I can with my kids. My kids can jump on me and jump on my back. I don't have any pain, yep. nothing. Um, even all the sports injuries, I don't, they're healed. Yep. I don't have any issues. Right. And so I think that's one of the biggest things is always getting a workout in. Yep. And it doesn't even have to be strenuous. No. Just move your body. Everybody's got wearables now, even on your phone. <clears throat> Your phone's got a wearable, so it tracks your steps. And if you get, if you got twelve thousand steps every day, you're doing pretty good. Yep. And that's what I try to get: twelve thousand five hundred steps every single day. It's always more most of the time, especially when I'm up at Valley, because I mean, it's a (laughs) a, stairs. It's a good quarter mile. It's a good quarter mile to get to anywhere
0: on campus. Yep.
1: Um. So yeah, make sure you guys work out.
0: You know, what I liked about what you said is, you know, I feel you feel like you have to move. And I 100 percent agree with that because that's how I like I'm so ingrained and so disciplined now that I've got to get my workout. And then if I don't, I do feel a little bit off. But, you know, there's something I read, too, that was it was great. It said, you know, you know, it's part of that choose your hard or whatever. But if you always try and make life easy, you make it harder for yourself. Right. So you mm-hmm. get up, you don't want to work out. I want to make it easy on myself. I don't want work out. Well, the next day it's going to be even harder to work out the next Now you're going to be so stiff that you can't even work out. Yep. So by choosing a little bit of hard, by giving yourself a little bit of challenge, you actually make yourself better, more functional. It's like, Oh, I don't want to read that book. All right. It's too much to, well, read the book, learn something new. If you stop learning new things, your brain starts slowing down. It's not going to be as effective. Right? So like choose what you want. You know, do you want a really easy, well, easy to first, and now it's going to be hard because as soon as you stop doing those things, you're going to get stiff. You're not going to be thinking or, or you know, learning things as quickly. So, keep doing it. Keep learning. Like choose the things that are going to make you ultimately what you want to be.
1: One hundred percent. And everything's changing so quickly. Yeah. I mean, you could just look at the college sports landscape, and if you were doing things the way you were doing five years ago, you are now irrelevant yep. because there's so many people that are difference makers and changing what the normal is. And like Nick Saban just recently recently got out the best coach in college football history.
0: Yep, yep. no doubt.
1: And it can be a number of things. One, he has every right to go out on his own yep. whenever you wanted to go out. Yep. But at the same time, did he want to go through all the stuff that is new and having to stay up to date—it's exhausting—and yep. especially a place like that where oh, yeah. you're overrun with stress yes. all
0: the time. Hi, high pressure. High pressure.
1: pressure you making you do make a lot of money, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so that—that's the good part. But at the end of the day, there's a quality of life that you still want to have. There ain't no. Yep. There's definitely no balance in no. a position like that. No. And a lot, the new coach that's coming from Washington. He's going to find out like, oh, great. I got the Alabama job, but he going to find out yep. this is a different type yep. of job and you got to be That's a right. different type of cat, yep. especially when you follow
0: a giant. Yep. Whoa. You're not what? filling those shoes. And, and just, we said the expectations for that university are significantly higher significantly more challenging than when than washington 100 they were very proud of what he accomplished at washington so was there expectations yeah but it's kind of like man you're doing a great job keep doing you At Alabama, it's gonna be no what are you doing for us today tomorrow and in the future are you nick saban no nobody is so man those shoes that he's got to fill they're you know they're size 24.
1: Who, do you know anybody who's ever followed a a a world-renowned coach and been able to jump in
0: with no issues and keep the ball rolling. Nah. Is there anybody? Nah. Nah, there's, I don't think there's anybody in the history of any of the the major sports that has done that. You know, there's been guys that have been successful, but uh, definitely they've been compared to that past legend and that past successful person to some degree. Uh, and, you know, we're well, all trying to make a name for ourselves. Maybe,
1: so Maybe Roy Williams from North Carolina. He followed Dean Smith, if I'm not mistaken. I Mm -hmm. don't know if there was somebody in between there, but I think he just followed Dean Smith. I think Roy, but he already was, he was already good at Kansas. He had already won a national championship. So I think that is a little bit different when you've already won, you get a little bit more grace. And he was already at North Carolina before coaching with him. Right. so he he's one that comes to mind, but like on the women's side, who's gonna who's gonna step in for Tara Vanderveer? Who's gonna step in for Gino Oriema? Yeah. Pat Summit, whoever came in after her, did not live up to what she nah. what she had. Uh Bill Belichick, I don't know if Gerard Mayo is how is he gonna do? Yeah. I mean, he's probably a great dude and yeah. has been the program for a long time. Yep. I don't know who else. Who was there anybody like who followed Phil Jackson at for the Bulls? Nobody. Yeah, don't even remember. Um and then the second time with the Lakers, like five different people yep. until yep.
0: Just a rotating carousel there. Yeah. Uh
1: I don't know who followed Red Arback, but was it uh Bill Russell was he like a player coach? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man, there's just no, there's no replacing any of those people, you know, like, you know, I try and think of how, uh, I mean, we, we've all taken on different jobs and roles, right? And, you know, I'm principal. So I took over a former principal as a former leader, right? You know, when I think about um, taking over a new spot like that, you know, you have to dress with the staff, like I'm never the team or whoever, I'm never going to be that person. I'm always going to be me. Now you tell me what things you valued from that person and I will try and, you know, deliver those things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I'm gonna do things my way because that's who I am, right? And I'm I'm gonna try and appeal to all of you guys in, in your special way and your new unique needs. But man, you, you fill in a, a position like that, and it's not just your people because now you're talking to a whole fan base that you're trying to appease. Yeah,
1: and you can't you can't please everybody. No, and you have to be okay with. Yep. You have to go to bed okay with the decisions that you make as long as you're treating people the right way. Yeah, and if you can do that, then you should be okay. Like you yeah. should feel okay with whatever the situation yeah. is. Um, uh, speaking about being a uh, principal, what are some of the major issues that you see with young kids right now? What is, I just feel like it's, it's such a trying time to be a leader in in, in administration in yeah. schools. Yeah. Uh, there's so much, there's so many, um, Megaphones in yeah. the community that yeah. all have a say, so but they don't really have any solutions. Nah. If you sat there and asked them, so okay, so what do you want to do about this issue? Uh, yeah. And then most importantly, the kids is 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 very concerning just because they're so they're, there's just so much out there at such a young age right now.
0: Yeah. You know, education, it's, it's a really tough space to be in, I think, at, at any time you look at it. But now more than ever, the demands on public school educators and just educators in general is higher than ever. Um, and the scrutiny is higher than ever. Uh, the notoriety around those things is higher than ever. And, um, you know, I, I think back to when you and I were in school or just kind of our era of growing up, you know, if something went wrong at school for me when I was a kid and a teacher or an administrator called home to my mom or dad, that conversation was pretty quick and it was, you know, what did he do wrong? Okay. I'm going to let him know. Uh, and then I was reprimanded, you know, I was told what I did wrong. I was told that I wasn't going to do that again and that's how the conversation went. Um, and I think that still happens to some degree, but what I see more so these days, which is concerning to me is I'll call the parent, let them know what happened. And then the parent will be like, well, no, my son or daughter told me this. And it's like, well, no, I just told you what happened. I was out there watching it. This is exactly what happened. Um, and so there's kind of a, a disbelief sometimes from, from the parent community. And this is, you know, it's not all the time. This is still a small percentage, but those are hard to take, you know, as, as a leader, as somebody who's, who's here, re- who really cares for your kid. Like, I'm not calling you to reprimand you as a parent. I'm calling you to say, here's the problem or challenge that your child had. Here's my solution or how I think we can make it better. Let's hold them accountable for it. And they'll grow and they'll learn from it. But if you're making excuses for your child or for yourself, nobody grows and learns from that, right? right? And there's no growth from that. If we're just going to make excuses or say it's somebody else's fault. No, they did this because of that. Like, nah, like he or she did something they weren't supposed to hold them accountable for it. Let's not do that again. And we'll be better tomorrow. Um, so that's kind of what worries me about education these days is just the lack of accountability sometimes from, you know, from parent communities. Um, and it's not like intentional, you know, like no parents, like, well, I don't want my kid to be accountable. It's not that it's just, they want to deflect or, or put it on something else. And a lot of times it isn't, it is just like, Hey, your kid made a mistake and that's okay. We can live with that. We'll grow from it. Like I was not a perfect child. Shoot. Like I got suspended. I had things that, you know, I did that I'm certainly not proud of, but. My parents held me accountable i served my time whatever my i heard that the consequence of my action was served yeah i learned i grew from it and i turned out okay you know i'm in a position now where i can help other people when they make mistakes to think about how they impacted others how did your words your your actions impact somebody else you know and that's really where the learning part takes place right uh
1: i don't know if you remember we chatted a while back and i was saying you know there's some kids that you know were trying to like be rough or whatever with CJ and I was and I wanted to tell him to like how we would how we would do it how back in the it? day. And you just I was handle it. Yeah. Like handle it. All right. You tell him one time, all right. If not, then you gotta handle it. And then you gave me some really good advice and I was like you you were like, well what would the court of law say? You brought that out on me if 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 you were to retaliate on somebody and then that person gets injured, and I was like, "Well, you know, that would be an assault," blah blah blah. And so that was that was kind of uh, like something that was that added value to my perspective in my my original perspective. Be like, "No, I handle it. Go ahead and you know do what you got to do to make sure that that doesn't happen again." But in hindsight, that is not the right way to approach it. You have to try to de escalate the situation and remove yourself yeah. because how we, would, how we grew up, that just kind of was the code. Yep. But that's not how things work out. And yep. yeah, so.
0: No, yeah, and, and that's a good piece of it. You know, yeah, a parent calls me uh, about a fight, right? And, uh, you know, this kid hit this kid and then this kid hit back. It's like, well, my kid was just doing self defense. No, did your kid get hit and then run away and go get somebody? No, your kid turned around and slugged the kid back. And I'm not telling you that that's not what I would have done when I was his or her age. Yeah, but I'm telling you that's that's not acceptable. That's yeah. mutual combat. If they're out on the streets and they do that, they both go to jail. You know, it is what it is. The cops are taking both of them. So um, that's how the education system has to operate. You know, our our job is to try and teach de escalation. You know, try and, and teach coping skills, frustration skills, all those things so that they don't make decisions like that. Um, but no, that that's not doesn't meet the definition of self-defense. If you whack just cause that dude hit you first. Nah, you know, that's not how it works.
1: For sure. And same thing in a basketball game. If somebody does something to you and you do something back, well, both of you guys are getting kicked out of the game. Yep simple as that. And that uh you know that's a that's a lesson that we have to learn in restraint. Yep. Uh, in certain situations you have to just be very, very calculated and calm before you actually react. And I think a lot of us, especially in the positions that we're in, if we just keep that level of calmness, this the situation will de-escalate. Let's say you had an angry parent, uh or I had an angry parent, you know, um, uh, at school or on the basketball team. And how you handle that situation is gonna go a long way with what actually happens next, yep. because that is the kicker. And I, I don't know if you heard this, but um, E plus R equals O. So event plus response equals the outcome. So there's an event. And uh, I forget, um, I forget where I was at, but. There was a situation and this person came at me with some energy and I came at him with no energy back because if that same energy that's would right. have occurred, that's right. if we look back, you know, when we first met 20 years ago, <laughs> 20 plus years ago, <laughs> yeah. that would have been a different situation 100%. and you have to, and my kids were around, so yeah. I got to make sure that yep. I'm cool. Yep and collective yep. in all situations and same thing goes yep. for you. Cause right. there's a lot of situations. Is there any situations that you found yourself in that is like, Ooh, this is a little sticky. Oh
0: yeah. No, I mean, they, they happen more frequently than, than I'd want to, you know, than happen, but it is what it is. And, you know, I, I talk to my staff about that quite frequently because yeah, we get parents that come in hot, huh? right. Uh, come in firing. And, and I always try and tell my staff, like, what do you fight fire with? Water. You can't fight fire with fire. So when somebody comes at you really hot, you can't give that hot right back because that outcome is not going to be what you want. Nobody wins when you're both coming at battering heads, firing and firing. Somebody comes at you with fire, give them some water. You know, yeah. try and cool that situation down. Try and empathize with what they're going through. Um, it doesn't mean you give in, but you at least have to empathize with what they're going through and what they're dealing with, right? Um, even if your opinion is different and you can articulate that, but you got to do it in a way where they understand, like. I hear you. I understand where you're coming from. Once they've at least drawn some of that back down, now let me talk to you about where my my logic, where my reasoning, and where I'm coming from, from this decision. You know, but you can't just fire back. Fire with fire doesn't I
1: talked to one of my other friends who's in administration at a uh, public uh, middle school, and the parent came in hot at him. He said, first of all, I didn't do anything wrong today. <laughs> yeah. I'm just alerting you to whatever it is that happened. Yep. And this is what happened. All we want to do is find a solution. Yep. Can we just find a solution and you coming at me? I didn't I didn't I didn't wh- wh- whatever it is. I didn't cheat today. I didn't send a text. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't cheat. I, I didn't, didn't punch somebody. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do any I didn't do any of these things. Yeah. But one of those things was done. And it happened to be your child.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, even the the things like when parents come to me, this person said this to my child and what are you going to do? It's like, okay, well, I'm going to talk to that person. You know, I'm going to talk to your child and make sure, but I can't control what somebody says to your kid Yeah. and nobody can throughout their life. So what do we really want to learn from this? That we're going to tell people not to say something mean and no one, nobody will ever say something mean to your child because that's yeah. not the truth. Somebody's gonna say something mean to you throughout your life. How do you respond when somebody says or does something that you do not like? Yeah. That's where the lesson's at, yep. you know? And, yeah. uh, and teaching that to a really fired up parent is very challenging. So you gotta do it, you know, strategically and, and, t- and take your time with it. But ultimately, yeah, what is the solution? What, what do we wanna answer right now? You know, like we, you and I did not create this problem, but here it is in front of us. How can we work together how can we partner up to solve this for you, for your child, and and hopefully for that other family too, right? Because right. they've they've got a concern that they've got to address. Yeah. So,
1: and that's that's how you can fix a lot of solu- uh, fix a lot of problems is trying to find a solution. And there's a lot of times that I try to reverse engineer things. All right. Well, where where do I want to get to? All right. So, like, if you're trying to get your doctorate, where do I want to get to? All right. So, I want to get here. And there's a bunch of different steps. It's a two-year process to finally get this actual goal. And and if you looked at it, like all these steps that you actually have to take to actually get to that process of getting your doctorate, you'd be like, my goodness, this is a (laughs)
0: lot.
1: But just like... You know, walking a mile seems like if, if you just looked at the distance from walking a mile, but if you take a step, you take a step, you get closer, you get closer, you get yes. closer, and eventually you'll get to your destination. And so whatever it is that you're trying to attain, you don't have to go fast. Yep. You have to go very slow, and sometimes it's methodical, and sometimes Absolutely. you're going to take a few steps back. But that's Absolutely. okay as long as you're, you're putting steps forward. And that's why I think I always talk about process process over outcomes because if your process was good if we drive and kick and get a good shot and they miss it well
0: it was a good process
1: yes so at the okay. end of the day those are the type of shots yes. that we want to take we'll take
0: that process nine times out of ten if we can yeah. right and
1: and there may be a time where the process was bad you take a crazy shot and you hit it especially in Women's basketball, there's always like a bank shot that <laughs> yeah, goes yeah. in in a game. There, yeah. I, I, You could probably count on average one bank <laughs> shot per game in our game, um, but the process was still bad. So the, the, the statistics will say that you're not going to win over mm-hmm.
0: time. You might win a little bit, yep. but you're not going to win over time. Well, and I, I like what you talk about the uh, the process of it and like reverse engineering. So yeah, you, if you looked at your schedule like this year, right, and you may say, "Man, I want to go, you know, twenty and ten this year," or at the end of the year, I want to have a CCS op- CCS playoff opportunity, or state playoff opportunity. And so you're thinking about that, and like, man, I've got to move mountains in order to do that. I got to move mountains. Now, how do you move a mountain? You do it one stone at a time. Mm-hmm. So at first practice. That's one stone, man. Second practice, that's one stone. You know, one game where you guys over you came back from ten down—that's a boulder. You just moved a boulder. You know, mm-hmm. but each one of those things help. Ultimately, at the end of the season, man, we moved all we we moved a mountain. We mm-hmm. had this mountain over here. We were 0 and o with no experience, with nothing accomplished. We moved that whole mountain. You know, we finished twenty-seven and eleven. You know, second CCS. We got an opportunity to state playoffs, like. That's how you move the mountain. one step at a time, one practice, one game, one uh, thing that was difficult at a time that you did. Yep. You know? uh,
1: when you look back on your high school career, what is one thing that
0: sticks out to you? Man, high school career. It feels very long ago now. Uh, every it, year gets it, a little it, bit more. It, it is. <laughs> it's almost 25 years, Nate. <laughs> every, every year get, gets a little bit further further from it. Uh, and so I don't know if I get better from it or if I get worse. But, um, you know, I think – if I could have changed, was it changed anything or just something that was no, impactful? What, what is one thing that sticks out to you? Uh, you know, I really just wish I would have had uh, the kind of same drive that I do now back then. I think that I was good enough to coast in a lot of, you know, scenarios. Um, and so I, I was always just, I was always good enough to get away with things. And so uh, I was good enough to, you know, get A's and I was good enough to, you know, put 20 in a game, you know, my senior year there, but I could have scored 30 if I would have just like really stuck to it, really like played defense harder, really like got rebounds harder, really, you know, if I would have done a lot of the little things that I would now in my mentality, I think it would have been much better off. So, you know, I'm very proud of my career and what I accomplished throughout and being, to have an opportunity to play, you know, college football and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I wish that I had figured out the value of hard work, um, and, and drive and all those kind of things a little bit earlier in my career
1: yeah i think that's uh that's similar to what i would say too is you just you can work harder yeah you can always work harder yeah that was that would be the biggest thing that i would look back and say yeah you worked out but did you yeah because i see it and i see it in in our kids now
0: yeah
1: like did you run that front as hard as you could yeah it didn't look like it. Right. I feel like there's a little bit more. Was there yes. a little bit more that yes. you can get? And I think uh, I just got by. Yep. I was I was above average mm-hmm. all the time. Yep. I've always been above average. Yep. And and uh, I've tried to strive for more greatness as I've gotten older mm-hmm. in certain things, but I also think it probably becomes easier when you're more
0: self-aware too. Totally. Yeah. I think that's self-awareness is huge because even in a big city like this, you can still be a big fish in a small pond here. You know, once you start getting out and getting to some of that international travel or, or even countryside travel, you get to see, wow, there are some other really good players in this country, right. you know? And uh, and so I think, you know, we're we're ignorant in some degree in that respect because you can be really good here, but you might not be really good, you know? hundred miles that way or a hundred miles that way. And so kind of self-awareness, like, yeah, I, I could be better. I should be, cause look at that guy. That guy's really talented and that guy's really talented. And man, I bet he, he worked, he or she worked their, their tail off to be able to get where they are. I could do a little, not, and not that neither of us were lazy. Cause we were both hard workers. I remember seeing you in the gym do your thing, but man, there was another level that we could have pushed to. 100%. Yeah. Uh, and so as our, as my kids are,
1: getting older, I want them to grasp that early. Is there any do you have any advice on how to make sure that they get that on their own? Because it can't come from I know that I know that it can't come from me yep. or my wife. Yep. It has to come from within. Yep. And uh Yeah. So I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not exactly right now, sure how they're going to do that.
0: That's a great, that's a great point. You know, right now you are, you're still like their champion. You're still their hero. You are still their guiding light and voice, but there's going to come time where they start to like, you drown out. Right. Because they think they know it all. It happens to all of us at some point. I did that. Like my dad knew everything about basketball, but at some point I zoned him out. I'm like, Oh, I know everything. I know more than he does. You know and that never was the case but that's how your mentality is of that teenager right yeah i think the best way to combat that is to expose them to what real hard work looks like so take them to one of those special practices where you know that that coach works those kids out and really puts them to their their i mean they're sweating right they're going at like when was the last time you sweat at practice you know because i'm like gosh i don't even remember the last like when i was playing in high school like when when did i sweat you know it's like and I never did. But if I wouldn't, would have saw one of these guys, how they compete, how they practice, how they train, how they are before practice even starts, mm. 30 minutes in before, an hour in before, putting in that work. If I would have been exposed to that, maybe that would have been a, enough of a light bulb shock to say, ooh, that is how you get to that level. Mm. And there's, that's the only way I'm going to get there is by seeing and doing that. Because I'm good, but that's next level. So I think the exposing them to, uh, to that level of work. No, nope, that's a good point, and
1: you know we know a lot of college coaches, so it's not hard for
0: yep. us to pull up. You've and, got the resources and show and show
1: <laughs> them exactly what that is. But yeah, I do want to expose them at such a young age. The Talent Code is a book that I've read, and it talks about the why certain areas are hotbeds like the Dominican Republic for baseball Mm -hmm. or Brazil in Mm the seventies for soccer. And one of the things that the Brazilians did, they started playing on faster surfaces and they played futsal. So they would get way more touches and they would play three on three, four on four, five on five. And they were getting five times the touches as, as you would get on a full, full soccer field and that's how they got their skills up higher and you know Tiger Woods I don't know if you've seen his documentary but he started at such a young age then he was ignited by certain coaches and things like that that got him to to be really elite at what he what he was trying to go for and his dad basically you know made put all these things in his life to make sure that that was going to happen. The one thing is I don't ever want to be the parent where uh, you're just forcing it upon them to to get to somewhere. Yeah. But my son seems to have dreams and aspirations. And at age six, you need to start navigating all of that. to put yourself in that position. And so I want to make sure that he is exposed as much as he possibly can to to all the sports, you know, football, basketball, and baseball, because that's the only reason why I'm here. Playing football, basketball, and baseball all the way up through high school is the only reason why I'm sitting here right now. Yeah, That's the only thing that ever ignited me. And if I didn't do those things, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and we talked talked about it earlier, just giving back to the game that gave, gave to us, you know. Uh, gosh, sports brought so many special things to my life. It brought friends, it brought relationships. Um, it taught me the hard work and the discipline and the drive that it, that you need to be able to succeed in anything in life. Right. You know, and so, yeah, like you're, you're giving back to the game uh, by doing it as a coach, by doing it as a, as a dad. Um, it's a beautiful thing to see. And uh, gosh, yeah, sports are, you know, their life. What do uh, you have any business advice for everybody out there? Uh, business advice is really just find uh, find what you're good at, find your passion, um, and sometimes they're they're what you like and and what your passion are and what you're good at are aligned, and sometimes they're not. Um, but there needs to be some kind of enjoyment that you find in the work that you do, because uh, otherwise, you know, th- those years of your life will will shrink away and go go by very fast. So yeah, I would just say find what you like. Find what you're good at, try and align those two things, um, and try and create a life for yourself where you know ultimately you have freedom of time because that's like the ultimate flex. You know, it's not necessarily what you can buy or anything like that. It's do you have enough time to be able to spend doing the things that you like with the people that you like? That's that's the ultimate flex at the end of the day.
1: And you have you're like international man of mystery and travel, kind of all over. Where are some <laughs> of where are some of the places you recently traveled? And what is it like? traveling by yourself sometimes
0: yeah you know uh you know traveling in general i think is is just a beautiful thing because uh you know it exposes you to what else is out there in the world you know we we get so ingrained in what we're doing here and how things are here and we think that's just how it is everywhere and it couldn't be further from the truth uh, you know, America's the, you know, the greatest country, but there's so many great things out there to see and do. And, uh, the cultures of, of different people are, are amazing. You know, I've, I've been to Fiji, I've been to Belize, I've been to Dominican Republic, um, El Salvador, Panama, uh, French Polynesia, Bora Bora, Morea, Rangiro, Taha, um, gosh, you know, so many places that are just beautiful, beautiful islands and, and beautiful countries and the culture, the people are so kind. And so, uh, you know. They, they view life a lot different, you know. Here in the Bay Area, there there is a, a degree of that rat race mentality, uh, and so you go some of those places, and that is not present at all. You know, they're they're living every day, they're enjoying every day. Yeah, they've got a job to do, uh, but they're on you know island time, or they're on you know just just the time of, of their life. You know, they're kind of taking it one thing at a, at a, at a step. And uh, man, it's it's beautiful to be able to see another way of living. And another way to enjoy life and, and and really man the sunsets and those sunrises couldn't be couldn't be better from some of those island countries man beautiful
1: and what sort of peace do you get when you get to go to some of
0: those places you know i think for me it it really just kind of highlights what i said before just it it highlights my freedom of of time you know i've worked really hard to be able to uh save up and, and create a life now where you know i i still you know i work my my calendar is 209 days out of the year that I work as a principal, 209 days. So I try and find, you know, 100 days of those where I can travel and go and do things. And, that you know, it doesn't always work out like that, but, you know, as close to that as possible. You know, we get, uh, you know, the week off in, in Thanksgiving and a week a couple weeks off in, in December and, you know, whatever those times are. I pretty much try and, and get out of Dodge. I try and fly somewhere unique that I haven't been to and see what's out there and, and meet the people and talk to them. And, and uh, I mean, I don't uh, really deviate from what I eat. I eat, you know, protein and, and rice and, and, and those things. But uh, I do love seeing waterfalls and hiking the you know, volcanoes and, uh, you know, doing all things like that because uh, there's just so many wonders out there.
1: And so, how do you do it by yourself? I've never been on a vacation by myself. We were Maddie and I were at dinner last night, and there was a guy that was eating dinner by himself and 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 not at the bar. It was just like a dinner for two, but it was like for <laughs> one and so we were like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." and Willow Glenn to be <laughs> eating by yourself, but hey. You know maybe he's like maybe he got stood up i was like i don't know but i'm yeah. gonna ask my buddy
0: <laughs> now you know I, I like traveling i mean i would love to be able to travel with friends you know significant others whatever whatever it might be uh but that's not always possible you know not everybody's got the same you know obviously calendar schedule that i have um, not everybody has the same resources um, but traveling by yourself, it kind of teaches you how to enjoy things kind of on your own. Uh, you know, the good part about it is like I don't have to check in with anybody, see if this is what they want to do. Um, I get to do everything I wanted to do, you know, kind of on my time. Um, and it kind of builds some of that confidence and independence in, in what you're doing. Um, so those things I appreciate. But I mean, ultimately, it is, in my opinion, it's it's more fun to be able to share the experiences with others. Um, so while i I do travel alone on occasion, I much prefer um bringing friends, bringing significant other because uh sharing experiences is you know much more enjoyable to me,
1: yeah, I think Kevin Hart was saying that it sucks to be the only. Only one with money, because he has the own he can do anything, and some of his friends can't, yeah, so it makes it very difficult to do things if and so he found ways for all his friends to earn money so they can have the freedom and flexibility to do what they want, like you said, that is the ultimate flex yep. doing what you want when you want to do it without any say so from anybody else yep. is is great, I think that is freedom mm-hmm. if you can do that. That is freedom, and that doesn't mean you actually have to make a whole lot of money because you talked about the, the island people. They are free, and yep. they're on island time because yep. they don't have any worries about nope. whatever it is that's going on. Time is is precious to them, mm-hmm. and, and so each second is valuable, and you know, taking a leisurely stroll is okay, yep. and w- when we're here, we are so much more uptight. And intense uh, for no reason a yep. lot of the times. Yep. Um, and that's something that I wish that I would do a better job of is, is like chilling out yep. because it's just, it feels like there's so much going on. Yep. But at the end of the day, uh, I do get a lot of pockets of time too with, with the schedule that we have. And, and my wife and I like to travel a lot. We've been to a lot of places as well. And so that's, that's really cool. Less now, since we have kids, yeah. but now the more challenging, the travel trips are usually <laughs> with them. So, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, any other wise words for the people out there today? Uh,
0: you know, I, uh, I I talk to my staff every week. I try and give them, lead them off with something that's uh, interesting or motivating. And uh, one of the things that I talked about the other day was uh, the the uh, the whole glass half full. And so uh, I want to, I just want to mention this because I think it's a good one. You know, a lot of people talk about glass half full, glass half empty. Um, And so there's, I actually really think there's four kind of approaches to it. So the person who sees a glass half full, he walks in or she walks in, glasses, you know, full of, full of rose lenses, right? Oh, this is a glass of half full water. And that's, that's exactly what I wanted. That's exactly what I needed. It was this half glass full of water. The pessimist walks in is like, oh my goodness, I'm so thirsty. That's not enough water in there. What am I going to do? There's nothing like that's just not good enough. The realist walks in. The realist says, oh, glass of water, cool, I'm thirsty. Pounds it, puts it down. Man, that was really good. What are you guys arguing about over here? The superstar walks in, though. The rock star, the real person who's really got the right approach walks in and says, what's going on? Oh, well, I had this like, optimist. Well, there was this beautiful glass of half full of water. And the pessimist, there was only, only half empty glass of water. The realist, how oh, I drank glass of water this rock star, the superstar says, Hey, there's plenty of water out there. It's plenty more cups. Let's all go get what we need, whatever you guys need. I can help you out to get it, right. but it's all the resources are out there. Let's go do it. So, so really it's like just approach life with a can do attitude. All the resources are out there. All the abundance is out there. What do you want? Somebody can teach you how to get it. You can learn how to do it, but, um, it's out there for you, man. Yeah,
1: that's true. And like basketball term was." Oh, they got so-and-so. Well, we got you. Yep. That should be good enough. It, right. doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And everybody, like, stay in your own lane. Yep. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just make strides to improve yourself. And if you can improve yourself, you're just going to be trajectorying up. That's and right. if you can continue to go up and up and up, then you'll look back and be like, oh, well, I took a major leap. And people, yep. and I, I, I see this. And I bring it back to my kids just because, oh, like, he's about to be six uh, in a few weeks. And so if you look from age five to six, he's, you know, X amount taller now. Yeah. You would think that it was just overnight, but it was 365 days yeah. of this yep. small, 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 That's small, right. small, 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 small. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wow that's like, that's crazy how, in just three years ago, it was like this. And so just small little micro increments every single day will get you to where you want to get to. And uh, yeah, so uh, Uh, where can everybody follow you
0: and all
1: the great things that you do?
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm on social media, but I don't really have a strong presence really just kind of for friends and family. Um, So, you know, just jump on to uh, Chris's thing every now and then to check me out because I try and get out with you as, <laughs> as much as possible. But yeah, the, the principal Ponderosa. I uh, love working at that school, great community, and uh, you know, love working for Santa Clara Unified now. Uh, real estate wise, I work for Intero. That's where I hang my license, and uh, you know, I'm mostly only represent myself uh, or friends and family. But uh, and everybody knows a realtor. So, uh, but if you, if you do need help ever, I'm I'm always glad to just help guide or provide my uh, my support or opinion on it. Uh, officiating wise, you know, catch me on the court when you can, but support your officials. They're hardworking folks and, uh, wish everybody the best. Thanks, you, Chris, for having me.
1: You know who else you should support? Who's that? This outro.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to the beyond the buckets podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share the show with your friends. And until next time, take care.